0: You want to look good in your underwear and be comfortable, right? But that perfect balance is hard to find. Don't sacrifice style or comfort. Check out Me Undies. August is National Underwear Month, and to celebrate, Me Undies is making it easier than ever to try the world's most comfortable underwear by giving you a risk free guarantee. All National Underwear Month long. If you don't love your Me Undies, they're free. Me undies are made from Lensing Micromodal, a sustainably-sourced, naturally-soft fabric that's proven to be three times softer than cotton. Micromodal is an all-natural, breathable, eco-friendly fabric extruded from Austrian beech trees that actually inhibits odor. No stinky undies, just soft, cool, and cozy MeUndies. MeUndies are the ultimate feel-good undies for when you want to feel naked but not actually be naked. All National Underwear Month long, you can feel them for yourself, risk-free. It's simple. If you don't love your MeUndies, they're free. Now until August 31st, get 20% off your first pair. Plus, free shipping at MeUndies.com slash blog talk. That's MeUndies.com slash blog talk. MeUndies.com slash blog talk.
1: and much more besides. They'll spend time speaking about different goddesses from all over the world, paying attention to the ancient reverence of long-ago cultures and infusing it with a modern perspective. Elvira, Phoenix, take it away.
2: Hello. Hi. Well... (laughs) It certainly has been a rollicking beginning to leading up to Mercury retrograde. Yes, right. This is uh, unusually irritating. I know. <laughs> Trust me. After after saying I don't have a landline that we can do this on because they're working on my DSL. Yeah. And that was why we weren't live last week. Right. So um, it was a harrowing experience. Yes been fun already. <laughs> <laughs> so so I will give you the, uh, the joy of discussing your week for a week and a half or so. Well, Elvira, I have no idea. I But I was just saying that to Elvira before we started the show. I have, I had, actually had to look down at my calendar to see what is it I did this week because I know I've been busy. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, my daughter had her back to school orientation thingy to get her schedule and oh all my. that this week. So we did that and she's a junior this year. So, uh it was fascinating. It was like magic. The process of the juniors compared to what it was like with the freshmen and sophomores mm-hmm. is amazing. It took a half an hour and in years past, we've been there at least an hour, if not 90 minutes. Oh, my like, goodness. We didn't have to wait in any lines. It was bing, bang, boom, here we do this, we do this, we're out. It was great. <laughs> like, amazing. Yeah. That that was fun. And scary that I have a kid that old because I still feel like I'm that age, so weird. It's okay. It gets really better. <laughs> and then uh, uh, professionally, I guess, um, we are starting to roll out a new product line at Milk and Honey. We're making herb mixes, so mm-hmm. we brought in a Love Herb Mix Packet and a Money Drawing Herb Mix Packet, and they're formulas that I've used myself, so they're amazing and smell delicious and are beautiful, too, So oh, I'm pretty stoked about that, and then we will be having a Cleansing Bath Mix and a Tranquility Herb Mix, ah. so that's pretty fun. Getting those uploaded on our website and mm-hmm. on our little Etsy store and mm-hmm. putting them in the shop and mm-hmm. making the labels and, you know, all the things that go with it. Oh that's yeah. Fun. And that that's uh, ongoing, but the the love mix and the money mix are officially out and the other two will be out in the next week, so cool. That yeah. And uh did has, your um son have a didn't wasn't there a uh Engagement party? There was a bridal shower. A bridal shower. My soon to be daughter in law, and I was, mm-hmm. um, that was fun and weird, you know, mm-hmm. bridal shower for daughter in law. Again, how am I old enough to have all <laughs> that? Um, and then last weekend, on Friday, when we did not do the radio show, I went and saw The Dark Tower, mm-hmm. which is a Stephen King book, like my favorite book ever. Mm hmm. And it's actually a series of books. But, and the movie was okay. Mm-hmm. But I still think it's amazing that it was made into a movie. <laughs> and I've been talking to... Like, I've This is how much of a Stephen King ridiculous dork fan I am. Right. I am in these Stephen King fan Facebook groups. Oh, my goodness. And people have been having all-out battles about this Dark Tower movie uh-huh. and whether it sucks or whether it's great or whatever. But some people have some very interesting plot theories about uh-huh. how this fits into the Stephen King universe. And it's been... Wonderful. Oh, my I'm such goodness. a dork. I love it. Oh, that sounds wonderful. So that's all my cheese. Your cheese? Yeah. Hey. How are you doing, Elvira? Well, other than having a love-hate relationship with technology Yeah. Um, and finally having a meltdown, literally, I was standing with one of the – it was the AT&T technician um, because, <laughs> see, the way the company I'm working with is they rent from AT&T, so – There's a sort of a a partnership, and they, meaning the people I rent from or that I get my DSL, have dominion over everything inside my location Mm -hmm. and being able to make sure that it's attached at the AT&T telephone junction. But everything that sets up that line or lines, this is a double line, to coming into the house (laughs) is AT&T, so the junction box, the second junction box, everything back to switching stations. And um, you take your number off of AT&T, and then it goes to the company I'm working with. So they're not real happy. So (laughs) it's not been – it wasn't one of those, oh, bless you, go go have a wonderful time, good luck, have a journey. It's kind of one of those, well, I don't know what to do. We've done our job. Goodbye. Yeah. And, you know, so nobody's talking to anybody. And then I found a wonderful technician on the company I'm working with, and he walked me through everything. And he says, well, if, if all else fails, we do a vendor meet, which means we get a and rep and we get our rep. Yeah, that sounds like terrible. And it's up. So by the time I finished, I was like, I was on the third round before that. And I just was standing there with the ATT guy, and I found out that when he did what he did, I not only did not have my phone up and running, but then he had also taken out my DSL. Right. And I just started crying. No. You know, no. it was just like I lost it. And it was one of those where the guy says, don't said, worry, I'll, I'll get it done. Get I'm, it. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. And <laughs> he just, you know, he ran in and did what he needed to do, even though it's not his place. And then my technician came out today from the company. I'm going, and he goes, all he had to do was hook this line with this line. I'm going, ah. Right. But, so now we're talking to you by the delights of a wonderful DSL and this phone line. System. Yeah, and we're on high, high speed. Nancy. Yeah, I feel kind of like, ah. Yeah. But it was a birthing process. Yeah. And the rest of it has just been weird stuff, clients coming and going, um, you know, different things with work happening, you know, with other, you know, my hourly work, just, Mm -hmm. you know, it's been, I've come home tired. Yeah. Just, you know, I literally come home and thank goodness I can now stream with beauty and Mm -hmm. fastness, and I just stare at whatever it is I'm streaming. Mm -hmm. I'm tired. And today was actually very um, invigorating. I could, you know realized we were going to do our show, and I'm like, ah, oh, my highlight. And you said, something about birth? It's our birthday. It is our or birthday. Anniversary or both. anniversary. actually. It's but, summer. you know, whatever. It's our it's our one year. Yay. Yay. We survived. Yeah. And, and so well, have you all. How perfect that on our anniversary of this show being in existence, The Priestess, The Witch, and The Cauldron. The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron. <laughs> well we're all we're all one anyway, <laughs> Hilarious. yeah, uh we are talking about Dionysus, who likes to party. Hey, and this is cool. We are introducing another dimension to our previous more female based yeah work that we've talked about, yeah, and thank you to the listener who wrote in and said, "I want to learn more about Dionysus." Here we go, yep, okay. okay, well, and with that, we will charge in and start leveling. Yes, <laughs> and there's so, so, so much. I have like 10 pages. of. Stuff. Uh, same here. same and, here. You know, what's funny is, and we talked about this a little bit on our, our last show, but I just taught at a witch camp where we worked with the Greek myth and uh, with the, the Minotaur and the, the labyrinth, and so Dionysus, this is not his story, but it is at the end, he shows up, and, mm-hmm. and um, so we had a ritual where Dionysus was was featured, mm-hmm. yeah. and I did this process in this ritual of of aspecting, which is when you make room for a god to share your body, and then he gets to talk and do stuff and right. lie for Teddy's human for a little bit. Yeah. And it's a beautiful gift. And um, since then, so Dionysus is one of my very special beloveds. We work together probably daily. I would say that that would be accurate. And now he has. I you know, an altar in my mm-hmm. house, and we do stuff and talk about things. And since since witch camp, he's like, okay, so now I want you to do this for me, and I want this, and I want you to do a ritual, and I want you to do this thing, so I have, like, a checklist of jobs that Dionysus is giving me. <laughs> so, it's, you know, he's a party god, and he likes to have fun, but don't don't think that it's all going to be drinking and revelry and orgies, because he will give you to-do lists. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah worry with him. So with that said, yeah, Dionysus is a Greek god, and there is a lot of very interesting theory on where he actually originated from. Mm-hmm. In some historical leanings, teachings, thoughts, he is actually from um, like Turkey,, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. more of what we might consider the Middle East. Mm-hmm. In other writings or theory, he comes from North Africa. But he is a god that was not born in Greece. Mm-hmm. He was born other in another place. And I don't mean born literally like the story of this god's birth, mm-hmm. but born as in where his origins his origin. are. My. And then he comes to Greece and, and is adopted in many places in Greece. Mm-hmm. The thing we have to remember about the Greeks is we, trend, we tend to think of the gods as Greek. And, they're oh, there's Aphrodite and there's Zeus and da-da-da-da-da. But the Greeks, the, the gods, were not just ubiquitous to the, to the whole country, no. right? There were cities, and they uh-huh. each had their specific way of working with that god. Uh-huh. The gods were given these epithets, these secondary titles uh-huh. or whatever. Like there's Aphrodite Urania. and She has all of these right. special... Titles depending on where that town village or city, how they worshiped her uh-huh. so that's the thing with Dionysus to remember is he's got lots of these epithets, and we'll probably talk about some of them later. Um, but that is where he was known in uh-huh. that specific region uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but for the most part, all of the tales of his beginnings is that he was twice born uh-huh. the twice born is different depending on which version of the tale you read. But the bottom line is Dionysus' father is Zeus and Dionysus' mother is Semele or Semele or Sem... Somale. Somale, depending on how you're going to accent it. it. Right. And she was mortal. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing we know about Zeus is he was kind of a slut. And he uh, spread his seed far throughout the countryside, and Zeus's wife, Hera, the queen of the gods, was quite uh, angry and jealous, which, you know, you can't really blame her. Yeah. However, instead of being like, okay, Zeus, you POS, uh, you're, you're moving out, she would go after the women that Zeus mm-hmm. had. And most often, Zeus would trick these poor women. Um, and in, in the case of Dionysus, Samuel is pregnant and uh, Hera is pissed, and she finds out, and she's going to do all these terrible things to Samil, and she starts to um, mess with Samil, basically, in one verse Mm -hmm. of the story. Like, that's not really Zeus. Why do you think you're so special that Zeus would impregnate you? You're stupid, right? And really starts planting doubt inside mind. And so Samil gets upset, and she's like, okay, if you're really Zeus, you have to prove it to me. You have to show me your true form." Uh-huh. And the thing to know about the gods is they can't show humans their true form because we can't handle it. Right. So they show us an anthropomorphized version, a human-like uh-huh. version of themselves so uh-huh. that we can actually look upon them. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But Samuel's like, no, dude, that's not going to cut it. And he shows her his true form, and, of course, she can't handle it and she dies. And depending on the version, either he takes the baby before she dies or she explodes and the baby flies into the air and he catches it whatever right. but he sews the baby into his leg uh-huh. so that it can continue to gestate and grow uh-huh. and then later when Dionysus is full grown and by full grown I mean a full grown man yeah, <laughs> totally and completely oops needs to come out that's fine and Bruce cuts him out of the leg or in other versions he rips himself out of the leg depending on the tail <laughs> and here we have Dionysus and then Hera chases the poor boy all over Hell's half right. acre Trying to make him feel like he's losing his marbles and, right. and going crazy, and and does all kinds of terrible things to him. Talk about an evil stepmother, really, poor Hera. Yeah, um, and that's one version of the tale. But and there's lots of other versions where Dionysus is born, or he is. Um, Brought into the world too soon, and then he's put into another form or body right. or a uh, log in one position right. for safekeeping so that he can be born again when he's actually ready mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. and didn't there's another uh, a slight variation that Hermes yeah. helped by sewing you know the child and taking the child before the the, the, the you know the death process took over and yeah. you know so they, they kind of get everybody involved in some form yeah. Yeah, yes. and you know, and what's interesting to, to play with ponder on is maybe the the town or the village or the city where the Hermes is part of the story. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's where Hermes is really worshipped, right? A lot, and so they had to make sure that make their sure patron their, was right. You know, got like, put in. Yeah, you know. yeah. But I love playing pretend when it comes. Oh yeah, because I oh, can't yeah. really know. No, we never really know, and and of course. The, isn't the second death something about being chopped up or cauldronized or something? He's put in the cauldron. There's something about an, a cauldron there, and Herod gets you know again tries to kill him, and he is saved. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And twice born. He twice is, born. Herod. There's many many tales of Herod doing random things chasing him, making him feel like he's going insane, Mm -hmm. um, putting a curse upon him, all kinds of things. And he um, always somehow manages to escape either by his own cunning or the assistance of another god or what have you. Right. Um, And there's many tales of him. Also, I think we were talking about the pirate, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So Dionysus is chilling on the, the, sh- the beach, mm-hmm. just being beautiful because he is considered one of the most attractive of all the gods. Sorry, I'm mm-hmm. Male um, version. <laughs> well, he's very queer, actually. He's no, gender he, they, they, fluid. they talk about him being yeah. gender fluid. Yeah. But So anyway, he's chilling on the beach, and he's like, oh, this is amazing, I'm just chilling. And this ship of pirates... Goes by and they think, oh, there's a very attractive man, person, gender fluid being. We could probably kidnap this person and make lots of money. And he also looks like he might be from a wealthy family. Maybe we could ransom him. Uh-huh. So they kidnap him. Uh-huh. However, they don't know that he's a god. And so all kinds of terrible things start happening. I think that there's different versions of this tale, too. I think in one version, Dionysus, like, Turns into a dragon or some creature mm-hmm. and knocks all of the seamen overboard and mm-hmm. they turn into dolphins. Not mm-hmm. that I wouldn't uh-huh. mind. Yeah. So if you're gonna go from God yeah, anger, that yeah. Yeah. In other versions, uh, he they, they're knocked overboard and they drowned, or they're the, he turns into a monster and eats them. I think the captain doesn't go along. He feels there's something wrong. Right. I remember that I'm going one same yeah, person. That's right. There's one sailor who's like, "Wait a minute, guys, this doesn't seem like a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Something's not right. Really, there's something different about this person." That's really funny. I love that. Yeah. And then, of course, Dionysus lets him live because he, you know, he proved himself to be a good human. Right. So just keep that in mind in your future <laughs> travels. Don't kidnap any. Attractive young people. From people that the, might be God divine, disguise. God is the disguise. Yes. Yeah. So. There's also a lot of stories, and, and Dionysus is often compared to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons for this is because he does wander off. At some point in his life, into the woods, mm-hmm. seek wisdom, mm-hmm. and commune with nature, mm-hmm. and this is where he discovers the culture of the vine right. and begins to become connected to viticulture and winemaking, and harvest and mm-hmm. all of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not that Jesus is connected to to viticulture, but Jesus is connected to wine, right? He turns water into, into wine, wine. He creates this miracle. Mm-hmm. It's, it's well documented that Jesus wanders off to gain wisdom and goes into the desert with the disciples and mm-hmm. they probably did peyote or whatever you do out in the desert to seek wisdom, right? That altered state. Uh, oh, yes. They just meditated a lot. I know. Whatever. And Dionysus <laughs> travels with a pack of maenads, these women who uh, go into ecstatic frenzy. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of what they did in their... Um, travels throughout the land was ecstatic ritual, going into ecstatic states, going, uh, having mind-altering experiences uh-huh. through ecstasis. And occasionally the maenads would go into such a frenzy that they would tear men apart. Uh-huh. They would go into like a rage, a frenzy. And so for me there is this, Dionysus is a, the ultimate feminist who travels uh-huh. this uh, femininity Feminism mm-hmm. in its most powerful aspect, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. up with no shenanigans, right? No bullshit, right? Yeah. Well, I know that in doing, you know, my the research and, and the things that they talked about, this was one time that the Greek men did not go out go in and involve themselves. Yeah. Because they left the females alone because this is the one time the female could, in a repressive society, do what they were doing and not get um, caught up in it's a wrong thing to do or you can't do it. They were free. Right. So, yes, yeah. very much so. Yeah. So that was a, a plus on that. So And, of course, they talk about trance dancing. Yes. And I'm thinking, you know, we, we a sidebar, the Sufis do their, their dervishes. Yeah. You know, the dervish yeah. dancing. There's a lot of traditions actually that use ecstasis, that like go into ecstatic states. And and sometimes we think like drugs, mm-hmm. right? Drugs are a, mm-hmm. a, a vehicle to going into ecstatic state. But there are so many other ways. You don't need drugs or alcohol to get to ecstasis. Dancing, singing, and a lot of it can be leading yourself through to exhaustion Mm -hmm. and pushing past them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there is so many ways to work through to ecstasis. And I think dancing is probably right up there Mm -hmm. with uh, drugs. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and and it's true. I mean, think about, and and this is going to take us off, Dionysus in one way, but not necessarily the, the thread that he carries in terms of the ecstatic process is that when you started ta- going into the 60s, you started going into the dancing yeah. that would take you out of the, the structure of what was, which yeah. was couples dancing, Right. And move you into a more um, hearing the music and dancing and doing the beat and the, and then of course you know that plays back onto the the concepts of the shamanic dance. Right. Yes. Yes. And we are talking about a form of shamanism in the way that it is that he worked and mm-hmm. he worshipped and mm-hmm. his followers practiced. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. there, again, I I know every time this word comes up, I have to say this, but. Yes, shamanism is a very specific thing from a very specific region of Russia, Siberia. Very specific tradition. We are not referring to that. No, we are referring to the more uh, global understood word of shamanism, which is a specific way of relating to nature, right, magic, and mystery. Right. Right. So, fine, so we we are we are good at being um, politically correct. <laughs> I try. Oh, no, I know. We, we do try. And we kind of go off on a, on a yeah. tangent. Sometimes I can't help it. <laughs> but um, And that's, I think, what really, it was funny because when I was reading this and I was going, oh, okay, fine. And, but that really hit a chord with me because for me, um, dating myself, um, <laughs> the dance process yeah. was what drew me into the freedom following the body's movement and hearing the sound of the instruments or the singing, yeah. or whatever it is, and moving. That, to me, was where I started way back mm-hmm. in a time that I would say that's when I started to find the way to spirit, if yeah. It was not, but it wasn't called that. It didn't see it as that, and I didn't relate to it that way. It was just a way to get into that that energy, mm-hmm. however we want to define it, say it, or, or you know, close it. Yeah. And to me, that has always been uh, a doorway for yeah. that. And I will say, you know, for folks who are interested in developing relationship with this deity, ecstasy is part of the package. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you have to become a, a drunk <laughs> <It doesn't laughs> or a <not> druggie. <laughs> no, please, please do not do any of those things. It also doesn't mean that your body has to be, in a state where dancing is possible. Uh A lot of people have physical stuff, issues, Uh um, wounds, whatever, that makes it so dancing isn't possible. That doesn't mean Dionysus isn't for you. Right. Uh, You can go into music. You can lay completely still and have an ecstatic experience listening to music and drumming. Mm -hmm. And not move a finger. Right. So, you know, there are lots of ways to enter into ecstasis. And I would highly encourage that research and study and learning and and, And and see where that takes you. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And obviously, we, I thought of putting music on and having us bounce around here. But unfortunately, since this is only a radio show. Yes. It, it wouldn't quite get there. The listening to wouldn't be as interesting as the watching. That's true. He's like a little, a little oh. cam, so yeah. You can watch us dance around Elvira's house. Oh yeah. There's forward. a lot of room to do that here too, right? Ha ha. it pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, we do it outside, and my my uh, neighbors will definitely know I'm <laughs> I'm on the strange, strange side. But uh, so the other thing that. Um, I wanted to mention about this dance and, and frenzy and mm-hmm. the Maenads, right? Is the Maenads, Dionysus is also considered chthonic right? So he is one of those, those gods that brings change, that is mm-hmm. considered, you know, quote, unquote, one of the dark gods. Right. right. Of the ones that works with mystery in the underworld. Right. right? And the Maenads, it's believed that, when they tear the living apart, when they go into that frenzy and they are ripping flesh and drinking blood and all these kind right. of these spooky, creepy things, it's actually considered blood sacrifice mm-hmm. and that they are feeding the souls of the dead. Mm-hmm. So that's not, it's, it's an interesting process that going into this frenzy and this ecstasis actually connects us to the ancestors and the ancestral right. realm. right. Very interesting, and this is another reason why he's considered the the dying and arisen and God mm-hmm. right because mm-hmm. of this idea of being connected to the dead mm-hmm. eating the dead, working with the underworld right yeah. right that's very fascinating, yeah yeah and I know that uh one of the things that also seems to have you know the i mean he's obviously part of the harvest and and that process, but it's also He's not really in the harvest time. His birthday is is actually December twenty fifth. It is mm-hmm. it is a time of um, uh, celebration, and uh, obviously, I found it interesting because it was mentioned in some places that the twelve days after that were celebrated as part of his, you know, ongoing festival, mm-hmm. and how we again how things have been. Um, Borrowed and made, made, you know, part of another myth, just right. like people of a certain uh, Greek town take their particular deity uh, version and create it around. Uh, this, of course, did the same thing with uh, Jesus and the, the mythology that went there. Right. And um, so I thought, wow, okay, yeah. Absolutely. And he, you know, it, it, assuming his birthday is in December and could not, it could be another day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he grows up, Dionysus grows up having to continue to be hidden. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so he's born in the winter and remember we're talking about Greece. So the winter is not quite what you might experience if you're in Minnesota. For right. That's true. More temperate climate. But he has moved from island to island to island mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. order to keep him hidden from Hera. Right. And he finally reaches an age, and in some tales it's 33, which is the age Jesus was when he was crucified. Mm-hmm. He reaches a certain age where he finds out about the magic of the vine and wine and all of this stuff. And that's when Hera strikes him with madness. And he actually wanders off into the mountains mad. Right. And uh, he's developed this wisdom, but he can't access it because he's not in his right mind. Exactly. He is, he is suffering from the madness, right? Mm-hmm. And in some versions of the story, he comes on Cabelli or Rhea, depending on which version of the tale. Mm-hmm. But he comes to the ancient mother goddess. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So he goes to, in his wanderings through the desert, struck with madness. He comes to the ancient mother goddess and is taught the ways of magic and finds his way back to himself. So then we have to start looking at what was Hera really doing? Mm -hmm. Is she an initiator? Did she send him on a journey knowing full well what she was doing or not? And whatever. I mean, it's not about Hera, But you know I'm a stepmom, so sometimes I'm like, "Can we just not criminalize stepmoms all the time?" Not all evil. No, they're not. (laughs) not. I am a stepmom. You're a stepmom, and we definitely aren't evil. Yeah, (laughs) most of the time. Well, that's true. I just pick and choose when I am, and I'm also a grandmother, so I can pick and choose being the fairy godmother or the, the evil stepmother, the evil stepmother and grandmother. But I think that's a really important that there there is a point where we get struck with madness in many different forms where we are not completely in control of our faculties, and finding our way home from that right is very powerful, and having the mother goddess in the version of this story, having the mother goddess lead him lead him home and show him the ways mm-hmm. to access that madness because being in that madness state wasn't necessarily bad. He just couldn't, ha- he had no control. He had no agency. Right. And the mother goddess shows him how to access that state of being and find his way back, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's so amazing. And he is one of the, he's the last of the gods to be considered an Olympian. Right. He's the only of the Olympians that was born of a human mother. Mm-hmm. None of the other Olympian gods uh, were born are connected to human humanity at all. at all in that way. Yeah. And interesting enough is one of the versions of his myths mm-hmm. is that he goes to the underworld and brings his mother back up to yes. sit in Olympus right. at the the circle or the, the the council or the whole process. So right. I thought that's elevating mother to an honored place again. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, this is again that c- chthonic mm-hmm. God. hmm most of the gods can't access the underworld. They don't have, once Hades took control of the underworld in the Greek myths, that was it. You, that was Hades' realm, and you weren't allowed to go there. Right. And there are a few gods who are, what is the word? Psychopomp. Psycho, thank you. That's exactly <laughs> the word. It's like pomp and circumstance? No. Not quite. Yeah, there's like uh, Hermes. Hermes. Hecate. Mm-hmm. These are psychopomps who can go between the realms. Mm-hmm. Dionysus is not considered a psychopomp. However, he was able to go and get his mother back. Right. Because he's cathonic. Right. Ooh, stuff? I know, it's so exciting. <laughs> I just love talking <laughs> about this stuff. It's so hilarious. <laughs> I make myself laugh what a jerk I am. Oh, uh, well, hey, look, we, we have our moments here, so. All right, so I'm noticing the time. We should yes. probably take a break. Okay. okay. But when we come back, I'm going to tell the queerest story ever. Oh, that'll be wonderful. Okay. Hi. Yes.
1: You're listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Stay tuned as more magic is coming your way right after these
2: messages.
3: The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hooter Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Contraman Ollie, Sundays 3 to 4:30; Candelo's Corner with Candela Canvisa, Michael Carell, and Lady A, Mondays 5 to 7; The Crystal Silence League Hour with John Saint Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6; In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays, 6 to 7; On Sacred Ground with Kai Armand and Paige the Fear You, Wednesdays 3 to 4:30. Fit and Foxy, with Madame Nadia and Jaya Dania, Wednesdays 6 to 7. The Now You Know Show, with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays 6 to 7.30. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron, with Elvira Love and Phoenix Lefay. Fridays 6 to 7. And Liquid Libations, with Andrea Weston, Saturdays 5 to 7. All times specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. <laughs>
2: And we're back. And we're back. Yes. All right. So I promised a really queer story, and I'm trying to find the name of this um, person in my notes. Of course, I have 10 pages of notes, as I may have noticed, so I can't find the name. So I'm going to tell you the story without the name. We'll go for it. And then maybe as I'm telling the story, I'll randomly find it. Who the hell knows? Okay. (laughs) So once upon a time, uh, there was someone, some uh, Greek person Mm who, oh, I know where it is. Anyway, there was some Greek person who was so in love with Dionysus a, a male person and he set, he knew how to help Dionysus get to the underworld mm-hmm. right as we mentioned he went to the underworld to save his mother Samil after she had died uh, and so I almost found the name Polymus 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 uh-huh. hmm. So Polinus is his guide and helps them get to the underworld. And the whole and the deal that they make, Polinus says, "I will help you get to the underworld, but as a repayment, you must be my lover." Mm-hmm. He, Dionysus is very, very attractive, <laughs> and Dionysus agrees. He's like, "Yeah, okay, you know, I'm down for that. You're cute, I'm cute, let's do this." So they get to the underworld. They rescue Samil. but on the way back, Polinus dies. Oops, he doesn't make it mm-hmm. out of the underworld. However, Dionysus felt it was very important that he honor his pledge. Mm -hmm. And he has to satisfy the ghost of Polynesus. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. he'll be haunted by spirit. He doesn't want that. So he creates a phallus, Mm. an olive branch. Mm -hmm. He fashions this phallus and puts it on the tomb of Polynesus. Oh, my goodness. and, And makes love to it. All Right. Right. Okay. love it. Yes. I love so much about this story. A, I love that it, it's super queer. B, I love that he fashions a phallus out of an olive branch. C, I love that he honors his pledge. Right. And he does it on a tomb. I love everything about this story <laughs> so much. And what's funny about it is that it is believed that this, like, how did this story survive? Really? How did this story survive? So it is believed that this story actually survived through all of the r- rounds of Christianity and the different mm-hmm. oppressions of the sexuality and all that. Right, right. it was meant to discredit paganism. It was believed that this was so far-fetched and so out there that it would actually make paganism look Bad. ridiculous, it's stupid. And I think it's amazing. It's one of my favorite stories of Dionysus. Well, I mean, how many times... Have we, you know, you go to your ancestors, you go to the the places where they are either entombed or okay. otherwise, and um, party and and yeah. hang out with them. It's I mean, picnic yeah, and how your life's going. So as far as I'm concerned, if you're gonna make love to whatever, it's okay. Love it. I know. You can love that story. So now I've just revealed a bit of of my odd for all of you. You're welcome. Yes. Well, <laughs> we're both un- unusually talented in many ways that we would probably, this is part of our our mystique. <laughs> well, I'll add to that just so you get an idea. When I went to Philadelphia with my deceased husband to, and he was alive at that time, but um, subsequently died. he wanted to take me to see his mom. So we did that and we, you know, went around and I wound up wanting to go to Ben Franklin's grave, and it's this beautiful slab thing that they put together. They don't have any huge headstones, and I was, you know, because Ben Franklin was a womanizer. He loved the women, and I went, okay, so (laughs) I laid down on the tomb. And I laid on there, and I'm going, okay, I'm here, you know, feeling the energy. And, of course, there was a docent walking around, and she was horrified, and she's trying to shoo us off, and how disrespectful. And I'm thinking, no, you probably got a good jack-off on that one. <laughs> so, <but> Oh, dirty <laughs> language from Elvira. I did say that. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. And I'm not even in the ecstatic state or have any any alcohol or wine. or wine. So just a lot of energy. So yeah, that, that was one of those moments. So it isn't any stranger. We're, we're just generally strange. We are. We are. So some of the other things about um Dionysus are the things that are sacred to him. Yes, that's I was just looking at that. Me I know. We are in tune. Yes. So I know that um the pine cone, of yep. course, is very sacred and it is one of the big things that it tips. The staff that he has. Yes, the thursis. 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 Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Clearly, neither of us be free. I uh, apologize. That's it. We're, we're as best as you can get which is his wand. Yeah. Uh, staff wand. Right. It's very, it's very phallic. Yes, it is. Right. hmm. Yep. And so that gives you an idea of that. And one of the things I found which is interesting was about um, the jar. There's a festival that kind of got again one of those small towns that obviously mm. incorporated mm-hmm. you know some of these things, and it was a jar ceremony it was like um the first day was the jar opening, which is when the wine was open and tasted oh, I know, and then the second day was the pitcher feast where of course um, they had uh the the wife the present um head of that town would um, present herself to the god to be impregnated Mm. Mm. and then the third day was the feast of the pots and that's honoring the dead and asking for you know resurrection through new life nice yeah I, i kind of was interested in that i like it yes uh, he's also connected to the bull, uh-huh. which is interesting. If you look, I'm not going to talk about this for very long, but if you look at Mithras, uh-huh. which is Roman, uh-huh. there's this whole bull, uh-huh. interesting potential correlation maybe. Right. But there's, what is actually really fascinating about that is Mithras, this Roman god, uh-huh. and Jesus. Are mm. Twinsies. Yes, they are. Everything about them is the same. Yes. So this is an interesting. The bull here being mm-hmm. an interesting um, similarity between right. Mithras and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um He's connected to the serpent. Right. He's connected to the tiger. You often see images of him or imagery of him wearing um, a leopard. Mm-hmm. Across mm-hmm. him, and then even in like um, ancient images of him in pottery and things mm-hmm. that he is wearing. Um, a leopard skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's often seen riding a leopard very often. Right. And I right. don't honestly, I don't know. Were there leopards in Greece? I don't know. Maybe something more from North Africa. That would be the case, right? And you know, some of it has also been talked about as a panther. So, I mean, yeah. and, you know, a large, big cat that doesn't necessarily roam around Greece. Right. You know. And but who knows? Back then, maybe there were. There were possibly. I don't know. You, again, we didn't know what was the old version and what we now know. Yeah. You know that. And often Greek gods um, drive chariots because, you know, mm-hmm. why not? Yeah. His are pulled by panthers, mm-hmm. often, or leopards occasionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's often connected with satyrs and centaurs, these, right. these half man, half beast creatures. That party. That party. Especially satyrs are very much known as kind of being kind of lechy gross, actually. Yeah. A little too sexually aggressive. Right. But there is this um, connection with this wildness Mm -hmm. and being connected to the wild. Right. Yeah. Right. So there is that. And um, interesting is that uh, obviously a moment here that I kind of lost my train of thought, and I'll wait till it comes back into a station. Oh, one of the things that I noticed, it did come back quickly, except, <laughs> um, is that, again, a more modern interp is Percy Jackson mm. and all of the different young adult, quote-unquote, yeah. um, books. And, of course, Dionysus plays a major role in the particular uh, demigod camp Mm -hmm. and unfortunately the poor guy has been uh, because of some things he did, he's been kind of I don't want to say he's been (sighs) reprimanded to be there and he doesn't really want to be there and he can't have wine. He can only drink Coke. So everything that he gets until he serves his time. But I was thinking of that because I really thoroughly enjoyed not just the, um, the movie but the, sh- the books. And I, I was, you know, they were talking about um, he does tend to kind of come to the rescue mm-hmm. of these demigods that are going through issues mm-hmm. of whatever. So um, I always thought of that and, of course, I'm thinking there was always a centaur, and you know of yeah. course he was a good guy, centaur, and then there was a satyr who wasn't a bad guy, and leche, so I mean you know hechy <laughs> so those leche satyrs. leche satyrs you can't, gotta watch your back around them, no I'm kidding <laughs> so yeah it was it was kind of interesting how they uh revisioned it for a more you know contemporary yeah. process. And speaking of revisioning, then we have the Romans who took Dionysus <laughs> and and connected. There's actually a couple of different Roman gods that are believed to be connected to uh, Dionysus, but the one we most often think of is Bacchus. Mm-hmm. And Bacchus kind of. Okay, so I'm going to say some things. This is totally my opinion. <laughs> it's totally <laughs> hers. This is all on me. Okay, I, I willingly accept it. What I feel like is we have Dionysus, this ancient god Mm -hmm. of wildness. Mm -hmm. And then there is a piece of him that gets tamed because of viticulture. Right. And he gets connected to wine. Right. And that is the way he, he's still wild, but he also understands how he needs to be tamed. Mm -hmm. And he, this energy is taken and turned into Bacchus, who is just the epitome of, everything that, like, with the seven deadly sins were based off of. Yes. <laughs> he's just, he's, he's a massive bulk of a man, and he eats all the things and drinks all the things and screws all the things, and he just, it's like it becomes a caricature mm-hmm. of what Dionysus represents. And it, it, it's, it, to me, it just feels like... Very lascivious. It's just not as beautiful. Yeah. No, no. No, but but then think of, think of the dynamics here. Think of this, you know, the Romans had a certain point where they that would be how they did with so many yeah. of the the okay. deities. And they they did just that, but Bacchus unfortunately when you think of it, yeah, he is he becomes a caricature of what the Dionysus yeah. energy really yeah represent it doesn't feel like an honest um and balanced, you know, like we have zeus and the then Jupiter Jupiter, right? So it, this is the same dude with a new name uh-huh. But this one is not like that And what, and what is interesting is Liber, Liber uh-huh. is a Roman god uh-huh. Actually much more in alignment with Dionysus Right They have much more in common Right But we put Bacchus and Dionysus in this, like, oh, they're the same god it's Right just, They're not Yeah they're really not. No, they're not. And I, I think it's interesting because they yeah, this Liber Pater, yeah. and he's a fertility god. Right. And I think he had a wife named um, Libera, and, you know, so there were certain things about him, as you say, had a more true ring to Dionysus, yeah. Yeah. truthfully, than, yeah. than Bacchus. And, uh, yeah, so... And what's beautiful about Dionysus is he he was worshiped long after the Greeks were converted and it's believed mm-hmm. that most of Greece was converted before 1000 AD mm-hmm. uh, to Christianity. Uh, but there is definitely some instances throughout the the, the years, mm-hmm. from then until now, of mm-hmm. pockets of Dionysian worship. Right. We can't know if all of these little tales are true or not, but it is fascinating. And one of the things I actually, i would never heard of this. Now, my partner is British. Uh, So sometimes things that are just commonly known in Britain, Mm -hmm. I've never freaking heard of. (laughs) So I asked him, I was like, hey, have you ever heard of this? And he was like, oh, yeah, I totally know about that. So in the 18th century, there were these things called the Hellfire Clubs. Have Uh you ever heard of this before? No. Yeah, never heard of this before. They they were all over Britain and Ireland, supposedly. But they were secret underground clubs, like where you have to know the password and knock on the door. and Like, you know. Ivo, Ivohe, Hey, Dionysus, or some shit. Right, right? And then they would let you in to this ritual room where they would have shrines re- erected for Dionysus, and they would have, like, all kinds of uh, pagan ritual, and sometimes, you know, orgies and drinking and carrying on. Right, But right. actually, and it wasn't just Dionysus. There have been Hellfire Clubs discovered with shrines to Venus uh-huh. and Flora uh-huh. and other Roman gods and, uh-huh. and Greek gods. Um, and apparently there is one Hellfire Cave somewhere in England. I'm going to find it. <laughs> and there's still a statue of Dionysus left from the 1700s when they oh were my doing goodness. It. I love it. That's great. So yeah, that's my goal. The next time I go to England, who knows when the hell that's going to happen? But I am going to find this Hellfire Cave. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, you know, it's been said, and so we. We definitely have something here. You know, out, it'll become your, your uh, battle cry. Yeah, that's right. You find the Hellfire Cave of Dionysus. <laughs> in England. In England. Nowhere else, just England. Yeah, that's, well, that's where this one's supposed to be. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, and then we have good old Ephraim Leon, or Lion, Yes. who uh, in 1820 created the Church of Bacchus in Connecticut. Oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah, I don't think it still exists. But probably a good thing. And in 1820, that's pretty ballsy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, considering, I mean, they were, you've got to realize we see this as ancient. Yeah. And then we have sort of this mystic point of reference of what happens once you get to the 14th, 15th, 16th, and 17th centuries. Right. And then all of a sudden we get to the 18th and 19th centuries. And things start to change. Yeah, true. And, you know, they, they quote, we discover. And I think what it is, is that it becomes another version, just like, you know, the, the and the, the, the new thought people. Right. So I, I'm certainly. Yeah. Aware that we have that other little catchphrase before we get into the, you know, remembered paganism revival process. Yeah. So, but, um. Yeah, so that you know, it's um, it's a good thing. I like I like sitting here and, and discussing this. I think we have a lot of different versions of the mythology and and things. Of course, uh, you could say something about the versions of Pan and his and Dionysus with horns because I know that there's um, a particular version. That he is—he's kind of put with the with horns, right? I think it's that wild god that wanders the realm, mm-hmm. right? But yeah, there is there is a um, imagery of Dionysus with horns, mm-hmm. and it's that wild. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's why he's connected to the centaur satyrs. Satyrs, right? Or horns—they have little horns on, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, goat-like, yeah. But and. Um, Interesting is that with the um, Minotaur. Now, one version said that he married Ariadne. Ariadne. Yeah. Yes. And brought her. Yeah. To the god. Right. Right. So I was. Yeah. He saved her from abandonment on the island of Naxos. So mm-hmm. Yeah. But. According to our conversations, he said, "No, no, no. She was she was a goddess without me. She didn't need mm-hmm. me. I just mm-hmm. fell in love with her. Right. So I like that better. Truly. Well, again, that that kind of gives you a better version of the fact that he honors yeah the the female deity mm-hmm. or the divine the female. So that's good. Yeah. And so uh, should we say some of his epithets? Sure, you go for it, Donnie Murder some great birds and. Ghosts We always have apologize them. in advance <laughs> So uh, So a little secret about me I My magical name Is actually very long I have many magical names And I just uh, Keep adding to my magical name Instead of changing it Every few years Like sometimes We might want to do As pagans mm-hmm. and witches Because We evolve and change Oh yes, I just add a new name To my already very long name Okay So because Dionysus and I Have been working together For several years now Today I decided I need a new magical name to be added that represents Dionysus. So I haven't decided which one yet, but I'm about to read the epithets and one of these epithets is about to be my new name. Okay, here, live on the show. Oh, shit, I don't know about that. Uh, sure. Okay, okay. It's one I actually have to pronounce, so that'll help. Um, (laughs) So we have a ratiforius, giver of unmixed wine, which is Mm. from Arcadia. Mm -hmm. We have aquarurites doesn't say what that means, but it's from Scion. hmm Adonius. This is actually apparently a rare one, and it's considered to be an epithet for Bacchus. So oh, wow. Go with that. Okay. Uh, Agobolus, the goat killer. Okay. Asemides, ruler or lord. Mm-hmm. Agrios, which is wild. Mm-hmm. Briseus, heap who prevails. Ooh, I like that one. Romeos, roaring, as connected to the death and re- resurrection. I right. uh, like the roar of thunder. Oh, that's an interesting one, too. Hmm, hmm. Coropha, oh man, I'm not even going to try and present that <laughs> one. But apparently it's a pig plucker, plucker. Apparently it's also a slang for female genitalia. Okay. I like this. Okay. Lothonios, the subterranean one. Mendrites, mm-hmm. he of the trees. Dithyrambos, Apparently this refers to him being prematurely born. Right. Right. Euserios, the liberator. Enfrendrios, he in the tree and orches with balls. I like that, that one one's good. That I one's like good. They're referring to his testicles. That might be the one for me. Ericryptos, Aric- completely hidden. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ueos. mm mm-hmm. uh, This is probably connected to the Eleusinian mysteries. Right. Right. Licmiates, he of the winnowing fan. mm mm-hmm. okay. okay. Um Onius, the god of the wine press. Mm-hmm. And then the last one I have is Pseudonor. Literally, this means a, a false man. It comes from Macedonia, and it's believed that this refers to him um, having woman-like qualities. Aha. Uh-huh. He's not completely a man. Right. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know, and orches with balls. I kind of like it. I don't know if that's what I'm going to pick, but that's the front runner right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, uh, I have a terrible person. It's okay. We'll we'll catch it, and then, you know, you'll tell me later yeah, sometime well, in the future. Well, and I'll be like, from now on, I will be. Just Maybe it's Romeo's because I can actually pronounce that one. I don't know. This is too much. I apologize. I've gone on far too long. <laughs> well, Big Russ I like, actually. Cretan. Oh, yeah, Cretan. That's yeah. interesting. Big Russ. Cretan. Mm-hmm. Yes. Kind of has its own. And All right. I am noticing we are getting very close. Are to we this. getting close to our time? Yes, I, we could go on about this forever. We could probably have a great giggle all yeah. the way around, Yes. which you would thoroughly really enjoy. I'm sure, I'm sure so. So, thanks. Yes, and next week we will be doing Strega. Strega. Yes. Mm. So another in our series about different traditions of witchcraft, we'll talk about Strega. We'll give some resources if you're interested in learning more. Mm-hmm. Talk about the history and the mystery and, and some of the misbegotten situations. <laughs> yeah, there's all kinds of interesting, especially recently. Yes, yes. So, but it has been a pleasure, and I'm happy that we're back on track. And thanks for listening. Thank you for listening, and have a wonderful week. Bye. Bye. Bye.